that helped design who I want to be, not what someone else created me to be. Welcome back to Too Hard Too Fast, the podcast with strong opinions about things that we may and may not know too much about. Mainly not know. To broaden perspectives. Today, we have a very special guest, another very special guest. We've had a lot of special guests lately. <laughs> But none other than this Roy Potter oh, Jr. No, then you don't you don't mean it then. then Roy <laughs> Jr. You're 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 the specialist one. It's like when you say it's like when you say I love you to, to everyone. Then when you tell me you don't. <laughs> oh it's, no! No! Oh no! Okay, I know I told you I'm a slow reader, but I got to that part in your book, and I was like, I'm not gonna mess up that way. Dang, dude, that just like hit me. Hit me. Yes, I messed up. But going back, my name is Roy Waters Jr. Because I was talking over you. I'm sorry when you mentioned it. Yeah, that's okay. That The more we interrupt them, the better, actually. So. <laughs> Probably. Warm, the show should be because, really You know why? Because he loves you. He loves you anyways. He loves you anyways. So. Warm and I are going to take over the show. So welcome, everyone, to Too Hard, Too Fast oh, podcast. That's right. I got a new co-host. His name's Roy Waters. Start I'm the just going to sit back. I'm gonna take a seat back there, but I'm gonna right here. No, but you know what's cool is it, what's cool is that we're all in different parts of Texas. So like I'm in Dallas, you're in San Antonio, you're in Odessa, like that's pretty cool. Oh, you just broke another rule. Worm is afraid of telling anybody, and we should have told you this. No, what no, no, city no, no, if, if anyone's gonna if anyone's gonna bring oh. it up, I'm glad he did. You know why? Because he actually came and visited Odessa. <laughs> oh, hey, Roy, hey, see, you really are a special guest. No, no, you really live in Odessa, or do you live, really live like in Midland? You're just saying Odessa. No, 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 and it's no, like no. across the street. Talk, <laughs> oh man, he really knows. He really knows. I like this. He lives oh, in no he joke. Lives in Odessa. In, in my. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no. In my book, I, I talk about Odessa, Texas. Okay. I'm a, if, if you think George is a slow reader, I'm a really slow reader. Warren, so if you were able to read, you wouldn't know this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming out with oh, the audio book soon. I got you. Oh, there you go. Hey, I would have been done with the book if, if I would have found the audio book. Man, no, for real. I, it's not ready yet, but it's coming. It's all right. You know what? I haven't turned so many pages digitally. I, I bought I got the I bought the digital version. Yeah. But I haven't done this in a long time. Thank especially. you. Especially so I really love your book. We haven't even started the show. We're already talking. <laughs> no, we already hey. started. We're already and I started it. Remember? That's right. I know. You're a guest. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, let's let's just you got promoted from guest to co host. Let's officially do it. Sit back, buckle up. Let's go too hard, too fast. Oh. Mm. All right, Roy. Um, hey, Roy, we saw you drinking something. What are you drinking? Uh, honestly, I am having some hot tea. Ooh. It's a, a green mango peach hot tea. Ooh. I got it for my, my birthday that just passed, and so that's what I'm enjoying. <laughs> awesome. Hot tea. Mango? Does it, okay, here's the thing. Does it taste like mango? You know what? It's a, it, it's a mango peach, and I, I don't really taste the mango, and I get the, the, the hint of the peach, 
but it's, it's good. Good. I, each I can taste, I was telling my wife the other day, and we did a podcast together, and I said, I hate when people say, or I hate when they, they say mango flavor, and there's no mango flavor. There's no mango? Yeah. No. I no, just like This, this is good. And the, the really cool thing about this one is, like, it comes, like, in this ball, and then, like, when you put it in there, like, just kind of opens up, and it's good. It's a good tea. So. Kind of like, uh, have you ever had a, a bomb bath? Oh, yeah, 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 like the one that just foam, like you don't, yeah. yeah, yeah, I have. My brain went somewhere else. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we're not that kind of show. No matter what the name says, we're not that kind of show. <laughs> you got me for a second there. I was like, uh. <laughs> but uh, I do. I might, I, might, I might be very professional now, but don't get me wrong. I come from the streets, so. <laughs> Good. Oh man, that's funny. And it's probably not even the right name. I that that's what I call them because it's like I would drop them into the bath. Like, no, I think I think you're right. The 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 bath bombs. Yeah, that's bath that's bombs. a thing. That's what. That's what. What I, did you I say? Said. Bomb bath? You said bomb bath. Bomb bath. <laughs> I think mean, I mean, you reversed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So bath bombs. Yeah. Bath bombs. So you have that. I brought this um, 1877 mineral water. Oh wow. From ATB. I love ATB. Dude, yeah, for sure. But they look as expensive. We can get a 12-pack for, like, bucks, like a few bucks. And the only reason reason we do this. I can get you a 12-pack for free with the Mangueta. Real easy. (laughs) (laughs) Lots lots of mineral water there. And and I'm glad you mentioned that. So this is from the Mangueta. I just recycled the bottle. I got the manguera, and there you go, right Dude. here. Okay, for real though, purified, growing up. It's purified drinking water from the city. Right growing here. up, wasn't that like the best water that's ever? That's how like you do manguera? it. That's right. You run outside, you drink it, and then you put it over your head. Like, that's... that's but you never water. want to be the first one to drink it, because then it's just hot. <laughs> Especially in Texas. Oh, dude, you're right. It, it's super hot. Yeah. Burning hot. You don't want to be that, but you always yeah. let for that one guy that you pick on. Like, all right, you drink first, man. You, you're you go tired. first. You no, go you're first. tired. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but the only reason I have this for real yeah. is because my wife watches. Uh, we watch this Netflix thing with Zac Efron, and Zac Efron is like, I loved it. Drink mineral water. I loved it. Yeah, I saw it yeah. too. I bench watched the entire thing. It was, I it was amazing. It, but we got to that episode where they talk about the water. Kind of like you have, kind of like you haven't finished my book, but that's none of my business. <laughs> slow oh. reader, slow watcher, dude, you're slow at everything, dude. It, it looks like I have an attention problem, I guess. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, uh, I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm gonna finish the book, even though we're gonna talk about your story today. I'm gonna finish that book because a lot of it. It doesn't hit like it, it's not my story. Like I, right. I, I got to the part where you're where you were talking about you talked to this kid in LA that he kind of was like, is this true? What is, is it really true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in South Central LA. Yeah. Expe- uh, yeah. Especially. And OC High School. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, like, you, you are in for a roller coaster because there's some very heavy stories in that book. So a lot of, matter of fact, one of my mentors was like, I think you told too much. And I'm like, how, how can you tell too much when it's your real life? Like, and it's, and kids all over the world 
especially in the United States, as we see going through, through many of these things. So there's never, maybe I don't say enough because we need to make these issues that we talk about to help protect our children. So, oops, sorry, let me just bring it back up. No, 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 you're good. no that's good. That's fine, man. Um, I mean, who better to tell your story than yourself? So don't exactly. make me talk. We're here to listen to your story. But when, when you're talking about that, like it, it reminded me about my youth and the fact like the trust where the trust, right. like it's so hard to trust. And I, and it's not just like, you know, you guys, you, this, this kid in your story, obviously live a much harder or lived a much harder life than I did. Right. But uh, growing up in my life, I had a lot of trust issues for different reasons. Right. And maybe I'll, I'll open up. I was telling Worm last night, I was like, Corona. Oh, shoot. Hey, I was going to ask you, are you, are you sick, bro? Are you sick? Are you healthy? Cause no, I'm good, bro. I'm good. They're, they're, try, they're, they're trying to find you. They're saying that this could be transmitted in so many different ways. You're healthy, though, right? You're healthy. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> the doctor right, said the sure. bumps will go away. You never be too days. precautious. <laughs> so. Just just keep rubbing the, the medicine on. Yeah. Yeah. Drink green tea. Yeah. The, the doctor said that rash is just temporary. <laughs> <laughs> but he told uh, me. <laughs> <laughs> same doctor that I mean my grandma with Vicks <laughs> you know what that's what the world needs is more grandmas they would fix this pandemic real quick 2020 needs Vicks Seven Vicks and it's gonna you won't get the pandemic put Vicks aqui, aqui. <laughs> eat a little you're good <laughs> yes of, uh, it dies before it goes in. <laughs> with a hot towel, you're good. Yeah. And then sweat it out. She'll wrap you in all these blankets and you lay there. <laughs> yeah, the, what are they called? The San Marcos blankets. That, oh my gosh, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, we're, no, I'm off so, track. Where were we? <laughs> I don't know, man. I think we already went too hard too fast and we're not even in the mix of it. Yeah, that's what um, it's about. No, the trust issue. So I was telling Worm that... Um, that I, I I would like to open up uh, with more things about myself um, with this podcast, and I may or may not. But like when I was reading your story, it it, op- it opened up those trust issues. Like yeah, like I can see where this kid's coming from. Like I don't, I wouldn't trust just right. anyone. But also, you know, I had to go into the clip notes, like you said. Like I had, I did not finish your story, so I went into your documentary on YouTube. And man, I had some tears, man. I had some tears watching it. I was like, no, no, you're (laughs) spoiling spoiler alert. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, it's uh it was a tough documentary to to make and and um especially pulling it out, not pulling it out because I didn't have to pull it out, but hearing my family say their portions as well, because we all have a story and it all comes from different angles. But, you know, going back to what you said about the way you were feeling, um, even though you were saying oh, my story wasn't as bad as yours, I really feel, and this is my, my belief, that pain is pain. So the same pain I felt, you felt, which is what led to your trust issues. And so it doesn't matter if you grew up homeless like me or whatever, whatever caused you to not trust, we still felt pain because that's all you knew. When I was reading and then when I was, looking at your documentary like 
one of the things I was trying to think about are like, how, how do you still deal with the pain or do you, have you moved on from it or? That's a, that's a great question. And I would, I would say I have not healed, but on purpose. And the reason I say that is this. So I live my life as an activist and a motivational speaker. So I travel all over the nation and abroad sharing my story as a way to, to inspire hope in young people. So that no matter what they've been through, what they've seen, what they're going to understand that life does get better and education can help that. And so the reason I, ne I have never healed is because every single time I tell my story, I have to relive that pain so that they can feel it. Because if I just get up there and tell the story and it's, 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 it's empty, then it's, it was just a good story. But if I get up there and I'm envisioning, you know, being on the street, I'm envisioning the abuse that happened while I was there. I'm envisioning my family being torn apart. If I can envision that, then you're going to feel what I'm seeing. And I need you to feel because I think that where that, where that emotion and that feeling is, then you get connected to me. And then from there, it connects to whatever your issue is, and that'll help you heal. That's pretty inspiring. So in a way, you don't, yeah, you don't, you don't allow the wound to heal. You just keep reopening it so that that could be your way to connect with others right. and then and hopefully help them maybe heal. And man, that's the best part about that is when um, pre, pre uh, excuse me, pre pandemic, I was traveling 20, 25 days a month. So I was doing a lot of presentations. So when you're doing th that presentation, that's telling that story reliving it over and over and over. That's trauma happening over and over and over. So there would be nights that I would get to my room, my hotel room, and I would have to make sure that I'm sleeping on a third or fourth or fifth floor because I couldn't be on a first floor because then someone can get into the window to get me. I would have to barricade my door just so that I know that no one would get in so that I can go to bed because in my mind, I'm still that little boy that was in hiding from his dad. And so that's what that trauma does. And so, but luckily enough, I'm old enough, I'm experienced enough, I've I had some education in me that I, I'm able to recognize those, those triggers. So I'm able to kind of work through them to keep me going. And now there's, there's times when I have to tell my office, like, that's it, you're done, stop booking me. Like, don't book me for like two weeks. I need two weeks off because if you keep booking me, you're not going to have a job. I'm not going to have a job. We're done. Like, stop. And they're like, okay, 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 we'll give you, we'll give you two weeks off. I'm like, yeah, stop. Because it, it just becomes too much. The one thing, I, I, I love what I do. I love the work I do. I love working with young people. I love working with parents. I love working with educators. The one thing that I hate, 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 hate about what I do is putting my family through it again. While I have their blessing, every time I tell that story and my mom sees a post where I'm speaking or, or something that happened, she knows what I said. So she's going to have to relive that hell in her mind. You know, every time my sisters see it, they know. Every time baby Ray sees it, he knows. You know, every time my dad sees something I post, even though he's not on social, on Facebook, I have family members who will go and show him, look what, Roy, look what baby Roy posted. And it makes them relive the hell. So I feel bad that I make them relive their hell. I choose to do it. But they have to do it because I made a choice and that that's what gets me. I, I hate having to make them suffer because I feel as human beings, we're the only species that I know of that we make someone pay for their mistake over and over and over and over again. It was a mistake. They've made it right. They shouldn't have to pay again, but it's, 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 
it's a catch 22. I can't do it without them experiencing that trauma again. Man, have they mentioned uh, anything um, about that? I mean, I know you said they, they gave you the blessing, well, but hold um, on Be before you answer that, like I do want to get into talking about your family, having to relive all that. I, right now I, I want to focus on you before we focus on your family, because I think both of it is very much important. Um, I want to focus on you, on how you deal with reopening the wound, you know, pulling that scab. Like every time you pull that right. scab, it's going to bleed. Um, the, and the only way you can help others and you can help your family, you can help the people you talk to is by being able to help yourself. How do you help yourself each time you open up that scab? Every time you make yourself bleed again, how do you, how do you put that Band-Aid back on? That is actually a, a great question. And so um, the way that I do it is when I notice that I'm starting to get depressed, I change the type of music I'm listening to. I make sure that my windows are open so that I can try to get as much sunlight in as possible. I have a group of friends that, I, that, are, that are in a text message and their one job is don't let me give up. Just don't let me give up. So I can text them and be like, hey, I, I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm depressed. I can't explain why. And I'll have the one friend that's like, Roy, think about all those kids you helped and think about all what you're doing. And then I have the other friend that says, bro, what the hell's your problem? Suck it up. Like, you know, and it gives me that great balance. Um, but those are just some of the ways I, I maybe go and do something that's more active to try to get my adrenaline going, to get those endorph endorphins going. Um, but those are some, I journal. That's another way, like just get it out, right? And I don't, I don't mind crying. I will get a damn good cry out in the shower or in my room, wherever I'm, in the plane. I don't care. I'll cry so that I can get it all out and then keep moving forward. Oh, in the plane, they might kick you off, man. So <laughs> you got to watch out for that one. You should have seen can, that. You can do so little on a plane. <laughs> when I was on that, when I was writing that book and I'm, I'm, I'm having to relive it out on, on the, on the paper or on the computer and I'm crying. I'm like, I'm like, it's okay. I'm fine. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm working. I'm working. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> They're like, Oh, she left you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. Uh, no, oh man. That's Does it ever get easier? <laughs> Not when you do what I do. <laughs> oh, so okay. So then, let's. Uh, so having a good a good network behind you is a yeah. good way to. And I that would be something for anybody that's going through something that, regardless yeah. of what it is, like it may not be your your story. They could have their own right thing. It's just having a good backing. And and I would also say. A lot of self-talk, positive self-talk as well. You know, there's a lot of people who are like, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. You have to switch the way that, the way that you speak to yourself and be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get through this. This is, this is just a moment and in time. It, it, in three months, none of this is going to matter. I can, I can keep going, whatever the situation is. You know, when I was homeless, um, I remember this one man had offered me money to help him dig this ditch in his backyard. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it because I needed money. I needed food. And so I remember it's hot in Texas, here in Texas, it's so hot. So I'm digging outside. I don't want to be digging. I'm a teenager. I would rather have a normal life, whatever that would be uh, to me, that what that meant then. Um, and I remember 
looking in his window and his two kids were inside playing video games. And I'm thinking, I wonder why they're not out here helping him. This is, you know, their dad. And the whole point was I was helping him um, put together this amazing backyard that he was creating for them because he was terminally ill. And that was what he wanted to leave them when he died. And I'm thinking you're wasting your time inside because your dad's going to be gone soon when you could have been out here building this and this is something y'all built together. But that's a whole other thought. Going back to, to the whole idea of me digging this ditch. Well, well even then, even then, before you go further with and yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. You're fine. What, if, what about the thought of like, instead of him building knowledge, just go inside and spend time with your kids if you yeah. know you're... Yeah. Either, but either I way. think that's the curse of a, of a parent as well. Like, or some parents, I yeah. shouldn't say. Every parent, but some parents like, you don't see... You're more worried about what you can leave behind for them versus yeah. the time you Great should be spending. Great point. And so I'm digging this ditch and I keep telling myself one more day, one more day, just one more day. And what that meant to me was if I could just make it to tomorrow, then maybe tomorrow will get better. Just one more day. And then again, the next day, just one more day, just one more day, hoping that tomorrow would get better. Uh, until eventually I realized, oh my God, I, I haven't, I haven't said one more day in like forever. But you, we have to change the way that we, we do our self-talk. And it's not like, oh my God, my life sucks. Then this, nothing's ever going to happen. And no, just one more day. Just let me just get, let me just get to tomorrow. And I, I'll, I'll give it my best. And then let me get to tomorrow. And I'll, I'll give it my best again. And change your self-talk. How do you motivate yourself to give yourself to tomorrow? Um, for me, it was legit looking in the mirror. And talking to myself and saying, Roy, you got this. Roy, you got this. Roy, you, you were not put here to suffer this way. Um, but it, there's no reason why it's not you. Because I, I also feel like we, we get this idea that, that we're not going to go through hard times. And so I've, I, growing up, I was raised in, in a church. And I think that, that going to church at such a young age, they gave me so many positive affirmations that when I became homeless, those positive affirmations kept me strong. Because if I was told in, in church, you know, you were put here for a reason, God has a purpose for your life. Well, when I became homeless, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm put here for a reason. So, so this is only temporary. And that was the, those positive affirmations that kept me going. That's why I was saying one more day, one more day, it'll get better just one more day. Wow, that's a, so you never doubted that you always, you really you truly had that faith and that belief that right. God will see you through it right one way or another wow. so awesome. and, and and so going back to the idea about suffering it's like I wasn't put here for that but if Jesus they freaking crucified him on a cross I'm no better than him so why why am I not going to suffer I just mm -hmm. gotta keep going and push forward. No, definitely. And, and going back to, to kind of uh, reopening the wound so you could connect to people, um, I guess connecting it to the Bible kind of reminds me of St. Paul where he says, you know, I crucify myself daily with Christ. Right. It, kind of, it kind of reminded me of that where in a way that you're that perfect example of that, you crucify yourself daily, but it, for the purpose of trying to connect with others and to, to hopefully help them heal. Right. And, and I, you know, and I still have tons of baggage that I have to sort through. You know, these are the areas of my life where I have identified what my raising has done to me. 
there's many areas that I don't know yet. Like I don't even date because of my, my trust issues and because of commitment issues. And for the longest time, I was good with that because I didn't want someone to get in my way. Like I, I had a, a vision of where I wanted to go. So I'm like, good. The fact that I can't, I don't like dating is great right now because of the fact that I want to stay focused on my career and, and my activism work. But I know that there's still an issue there that I haven't resolved. And will I ever resolve it? I don't know. Does it bother me that I haven't resolved it? To be honest, not really. I, but I think that I'm a little too independent, I guess. So every time someone has relationship issues, I'm like, don't come to me because I'm going to be like, leave them. Leave them. <laughs> You'll find someone else. It's all good. There's like 7 billion people on this world. You can't tell me you can't find one other person. Like, come on. You're with the catfish. Go get a bass. <laughs> or just be alone. It doesn't matter. Netflix is good. <laughs> Like, uh, back, uh, I was babysitting my, my best friend's mom's dog, right? Amazing dog. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I could be a, the dog dad, right? Like, I, maybe I can, this dog is awesome. His name is Rex. He's, he's like a big dog. After day one, I'm like, nah, this is too much responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. Not even our pets. Like, you wait, I got to walk you. I got to feed you. I got to pick up your poop. That is definitely the worst uh, or the deg most degrading thing is like when you're, you're waiting for this dog to poop and you're watching him and then you have to go pick it up after him. No, let me tell you something gross. So if you don't want to hear anything gross, close your ears real quick. But no, you're... let's hear it. So I'm walking. Uh, I'm, I'm talking to the listeners warm. I'm talking. <laughs> no, no, I want the listeners to listen. Don't close your ears. You better my, listen. My best friend, right? It's like his dog is like his child. Like so, um, one day we're walking, his dog and his dog takes a poop, and there's like something left hanging out that that he goes, "Oh, she probably ate something like a like some plastic or something." And I'm like, "Dude, that's freaking gross. What are you gonna do?" He's like, "I gotta pull it out." I said, "You're gonna." like go and pull it out he's like yeah he's like dude one time it was like this long i was like i don't want to know like yeah no nah, i don't want a dog i'm good I, 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 wish, animal. I wish i could tell you that has never happened to me and my dog it has oh my god and i think it happened a month ago and we tried pulling it out and it wasn't coming out it was hurting her so we're like what's going on and it, it, it's a pit bull we have a pit bull so it was like, you can't hurt her too much because you don't know, you know, like yeah. eventually. And she's like the most kind dog ever, but it's like, you still don't want to mess with her. So here's my wife in the front lawn, front lawn. I'm holding the, the her head, like the dog's head. And she's pulling it this way with a pair of scissors, <laughs> trying to cut whatever was still hanging out. And all these cars are passing by every now and then. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> what did it ever, the rest ever come out like it's her next poop or what? I don't know what it was. Like eventually like, she cut it up where the rest went back in and we were just like, all right, we're just going to monitor and see what happens. <laughs> um, Oh my she's God. still alive. Dog's okay, right? Okay, good. Ladies and gentlemen, 
No dogs were hurt in the filming of this. There you go. There you go. <laughs> the dog is alive. She's perfect. She's healthy. Thankfully, we didn't have to spend any money on that. So don't worry. That dog stayed with me for like three days and went back to its owner happy. I fed it. <laughs> I walked it. There you go. You're a good man for that. Good. So you're taking a first step into that, into maybe fixing into you. Into oh, dating life. <laughs> There's so many, so many different layers. Like, so I know that I don't like sleeping in first story floors because to me that's too many windows, and I and I know how that affects me. And I'm I just turned forty, so and that's still affecting me. And I'm forty. What are the areas that I don't know about that I'm being affected by my childhood that are dictate, dictating where I go in life and what I get to do because of the fact of this trauma that I haven't addressed yet. It's crazy because like, I think most people think, okay, once you, once, once you get out of your adolescent life, once you, I don't know, make something out of yourself that you're supposed to be okay with things, you're, you're supposed to know how to deal with them. But or you overcome it. Yeah. Right. You're, like, you, you're supposed to know how to overcome things, but you know, man, I'm a dad right now. And I still don't even feel like I've, well, obviously, like I were saying earlier off camera, like, I don't think I have overcome a lot of things and I'm still learning. And a lot of it is like, I'm dealing with stuff now because I am a dad yeah. that probably I never even knew I had yeah. to deal with or even had an issue with. But right. now I know I have issues with it and well, I'm learning how to deal with it. I think that one way that I was able to to learn or move forward in life was developing and adopting a set core of values and adopting these set core of values and applying them to whatever situation that I'm put in that helped design who I want to be, not what someone else created me to be. Because if we live our life just based off of the way that we were raised without really understanding who we are and why we do what we do, then we're just a puppet and someone's brokenness. My parents were broken, they broke me, and I was gonna live my life as a puppet this entire time if I didn't choose to figure out who I was and adopt values of who I wanna be. And once I adopted those values, then I could apply them to, to life. So one of them was, I wanted to be a good person. But what does that mean? You know, uh, and if, in the documentary, you heard my sister, Tammy, talk about the, the reason I think I hated my brother growing up was because he was so forgiving. He forgave everyone, he forgave, you know, and, and it was about, you know, my, my value was I want to be a good person, but what does that mean? Because I can be good to you if you're good to me. That's easy. But to be a good person, I'm going to be good to you even when you're not good to me. That's a good person. That doesn't mean I need to, need to have you in my life. I just don't have to call you and cuss you out. I just don't have to approach you about it. I could just cut you out and keep going because life is too short to deal with your issues because I have enough of my own. Man, I'm glad you met all that. Um... I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Like, seeing your documentary, like, your your sister does say, like, Roy, how is he so forgiving? Or how does he not hate? Like, that was one of the things, like, he never hated. And I never, I, I want to say I don't hate for what I, what I went through or what I, what I had to experience. But I don't hate the person i hate the experience right and i don't know if that's the same with you like 
do you hate the experience or is that not the same for you? Well, one thing that I was always taught by my, well, one thing my mentor taught me is, I, is how I should put it, is always ask the question, what role did you play? So I was recently asked on social media if, if I was angry at anything that, that people have done to me. And I said, well, I'm more angry at myself for situations that I put me in and how I respond to situations. That's where I feel that I've messed up. I said, and those, those will probably be some of the things that I would change because we're only responsible for our actions. And yeah, while, while, while you may be mad at me and then come at me, I still have to choose to engage and match your behavior. And I don't want to. I don't need to. And I was the type of person talking about the whole forgiveness and, and not hating was I always felt that we, even as a kid, we don't have enough time. Life is so short. And I figured out now that on average, a person growing up and living in the United States has a life expectancy of 77.6 years. And what that means is this, you only get 77 Christmas mornings. You only get 77 Thanksgiving dinners. You only get 77 summer breaks. I'm 40. I mean, that only means that I have 30 left. You know, I don't want to waste those. So I was the type of person that I was like, you know what? You screwed me over, but I'm not done. I still love you. And I know that I'm going to forgive you two weeks from now. So I'm not even going to wait two weeks. I'm just going to forgive you now. Let's, let's move on. But the moment that I'm done, then we're done. That is very powerful. I think um, I'm still working through the, the forgiveness part. And I think I'm trying to find, right. or, you know, I, okay. I, and I say 30 years left because the last seven, I'm going to be so old. I probably can't even walk. So that doesn't even work. Those, <laughs> those are just a wash. <laughs> well, look, you know what? I'm a teacher and I checked your math and I wasn't going to judge on the 77. Look, I'm going to be so old. Someone's going to, I'm going to be like that dog and they're going to have to come pull something out of my. <laughs> Um, I think, I think here's the problem. I can forgive, I think, or anybody, it's not even about me anymore. Like, I don't want to talk about me. I don't want to make this about me at all. I want to make this about you. I want to make this about the listeners, but I'm thinking like, okay, if I'm dealing with this, whoever's clicking on this video, whoever's clicking on this audio podcast, if they're clicking on it, they may be thinking, how do I, I can forgive let's say this person in this case your dad right your dad um this thing that and we haven't even got i'm sorry hoping and waiting for his apology yes there you go i would say stop waiting for an apology that might never come you're wasting your time and you're wasting your life i was about 18 years old and i put myself in a group counseling session and i remember sitting there surrounded by all these men they were all older than me and one of them had like gray hair, like full, all gray. And he's sitting right across me and he's crying and he's crying and he's crying. So at 18 years old, I sit back and I'm like, what's up with that dude? You know, like, I know I had a hard life, but I want to know what, what's going on in his mind. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm just staring at him. And when he finally speaks, he said, I just don't understand why my father never loved me. And I sat there with this aha moment and I thought, wow. That's me when I'm 60. You know, this man is just waking up at 60 
but he's still living that 12 year old little boy probably inside wanting to know why daddy never loved me, but he's waking up at 60. I don't want to wake up when I'm 60. I want to wake up now. I want to live my life now. You know what? It's your loss that you're not in my life because I'm a good person. I'm going to keep going. If you come back in my life, my door will always be open. You come back. Yeah, you're welcome, but you're coming back on my terms now. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to live up to yours anymore. You know, and, and as a kid, I was, I wanted, I loved my dad. I wanted my dad in my life, but I am not going to take responsibility for his brokenness. I can only take responsibility for mine. Those are his issues, not mine. I won't make them mine because life is too short. And I'm not going to wait for an apology that I don't know will ever come because it's so I'm wasting time. And then in, in your documentary, it seemed like, it, was, it wasn't really said, but to me, I thought maybe he did apologize. Oh, yeah. Because he, pre he was presented, like you, you had him, like your whole family, your whole bio family. And my, uh, my book launch. So this is the book, Homeless by Choice, and Memoir of Love, Hate, and Forgiveness. So the way that it happened was I gave my dad, I, for the dedication, I dedicated to my siblings, my mom, my stepdad. To, the, to my pastor, my adopted parents, my pastor parents. But I gave my dad one line, to my dad. I hope one day we will be able to build a healthy relationship before it's too late. I had read the entire page, threw up the video on uh, Facebook. I didn't know that his, his uh, girlfriend followed me. On my public page, I have about, about 18,000 followers. So I have really no idea who's on there. Um, she saw it, she showed him the video. My phone rang and I'm like, hello. And he's like, hey, you little rat, which is how he would talk to me as a kid, right? But it was in a loving way. And I'm like, dad? He's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, hey what, do you, what do you want? He goes, so I heard you wrote a book. I'm like, yeah, I did. He goes, I heard you put me in it. I said, I did, but I changed your name so you can't sue me, right? Because you, <laughs> you never know. And so he's like, no, nah, that's not why I'm calling. I said, well, what's, what, what are you calling for? He goes, if you're being serious about what you wrote, he goes, I'm ready. He goes, I'm sorry. I will take the blame for everything. I'm ready. And that's when I knew that he was being serious because, you know, I tried to talk to my dad in the past many times, but it was never, he never took any responsibility. It was always like, it's not my fault. You were homeless. You were with your mother. Yeah. Because we were hiding from you. Like, so there was never any acceptance of, of the role that he played. But this time when he said, I will take all the blame, I thought, okay, well, something's different. I said, well, if you're being honest, I said, if you're being serious, dad, why don't you come to my book launch? It's next week in San Antonio. So he showed up. And that was the first time that I had all my family together like that. And so, in the video, it looked like he was sincerely proud of you. Like, and this is just from my perspective. Just like I was looking at him just from reading your story in it. I don't know if in the book you said exactly what he was doing. And like there was early on, there was alluding to what's right. going on. But, right. um, and don't say it. Don't, no spoiler. No, no spoiler. I, I won't because <laughs> if you want to hire me, contact my manager. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Perfect. But from the video. At homelessbychoice.com. <laughs> Uh, and well, if you're plugging stuff, I hope I can get a copy of this book, man, with a yeah, signature. For sure. I for will sure. love it. I will love it.
No, um, I will put it back here somewhere. I will find a way to make a show. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like in the in the in the video, he honestly, like sincerely, looked very proud of you. Thank you. Well, let me let me share. I'm not sure if you if you watched it to the very very end. Um, after the credits, I, I have a video on there of Baby Ray. My Baby Ray, for those who are listening, my baby brother was two years old when we first became homeless. So Baby Ray has never known my, my biological father. So at the very end of the credits is the video of Baby Ray's first birthday with our biological father, and he's 22 years old. And uh, you could just see the excitement. Baby Ray seems a little um, uncomfortable. He doesn't know him. But you can see the excitement in my dad, and you can see the excitement in my baby sister, Danielle, who was nine years old at the time. And you could just see, like, 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 like my dad can't get his hands off my baby brother. Like, he just wants to, like, touch him. He's playing with his hair, playing with his ears, because he's missed 20 years. 20 years of this kid's life. Why? Why did you miss 20 years? You know, and, and I guess that's why I'm saying life is too short. We're, we, we lose too much time because we want to stay mad at someone because we didn't agree with them or because they offended us because they didn't come to our quinceanera or whatever the case may be, whatever the fight is. You know, sometimes people fight so long that they can't even remember why they're fighting anymore. Yeah. It's, it's just, and they don't make up until someone's deathbed. Why do you gotta wait till someone's deathbed to, to, to make up? And you know, my mom, my adopted mom, she was a minister. And so she used to have this big, 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 curly, I would call it Dallas cowgirl hair, right? <laughs> Blonde, gorgeous. And one day she comes in and she cut it all off. I mean, I'm talking about she like shaved on the side and just had this hair on top. And I walk in and I'm like, what did you do? She was like, excuse me. I said, what did you do? I mean, your hair was gorgeous. What, what did you do? She goes, why didn't you ever tell me? I said, excuse me? Just why didn't you ever tell me how much you loved my hair? Just why did you have to wait for my hair to be gone before you told me how much you loved it? She goes, Roy, never wait to tell someone how you feel because you might not get that chance. And it's always stuck with me. And so now I'm the, I'm the you know, I love you, right? I love you. I appreciate you. Hey, you know, I love you, right? Like, like I want them to know because I don't know if that's going to be my last encounter. Was she, was she was a Hispanic lady? Yeah. Um, her... I'm trying to, her father was German, actually. Her mother was, was, was Hispanic. Oh, okay. Because that, that sounds a lot like my mom is like, where she says, Dime ahorita, visitame ahorita, porque ya cuando no esté, ¿para qué? Yeah. So it's like, visit me now, tell me now, because when I'm not here, what, what's, it, what, what's it worth now? And I like the fact that you brought that up, because that's another one of the hard things about my, my life, is that I'm always gone. And I just hope in the end that it was worth it. When I'm on my deathbed, you know, I, I hope that I don't have a regret of not living in San Antonio with my family, not being near them, um, always being gone. Like my little sister, Danielle, she's always saying, Roy, you've helped enough people. We miss you too. And I said, Danielle, I get it, but we still have each other. There's kids who don't have anyone. I get it. And now that in the pandemic, I chose to live with my best friend in Dallas rather than go live in San Antonio. But I also feel that it's, it's just, I feel that there's so much to life that I want to experience as much as I can before I'm gone. 
And so I've moved a lot. I moved from, from San Antonio. I went to Abilene, Texas for college. From Abilene, I went to Tampa. From Tampa, I came to Dallas. Dallas, I went to LA. LA, I came back to Dallas. I'll be going back to LA here real soon. Um, but then I traveled all of Europe because I want to see as much as I can. You know, my, right before the pandemic hit, when I was turning 40, I was working on a global tour where I was going to circle the entire globe and try to reach kids all over the world because there's so much to see and I, I just don't have enough time. There's some people are like, well, well, what are your, what are your, your dreams or goals for the future? I'm like, I don't have enough time to do them all. I'm going to, I'm going to die without achieving, achieving all of them because I ran out of time and that's okay. That's, that's the life I want to live. So, and it helps that I'm not worried about a relationship or anything like that. And I, I love being alone because then I don't have to worry about dealing with someone like that. Uh, um, that sounds horrible. We're dealing with them. <laughs> hey man, it really is. It, you know, you're dealing with them. They're dealing with you just as much as. And it, it, that's just, that's, and you know, maybe it's because I talk to people all the time. Like, so when I go out and I speak, I get a line of people who are, who are pouring their problems on me. And, you know, so I'm taking them and I, I have to get rid of them. So I think I'm, I'm already drained that I don't want, I don't want to have to worry about someone else's emotionally well-being that I can just breathe and I'm, I'm okay. I get, my well gets filled with what I do that I don't, I don't think it needs to be filled anywhere else. I'm good. All right, guys, this is where we're going to stop part one. Remember part two is coming out Thursday. We're going to continue talking to Roy Juarez Jr. This story, his story is amazing, but there's so much more that we're talking and digging into. We wish you'd come back for part two. Roy, you want him to come back for part two? Come back, please. I would love, and then right. I would love to read comments. Please put some comments down below. Yes, I will please. answer any questions that you might have, and that way we can keep this conversation going. That's awesome. Ooh, I like that. I always forget about the comments. No! With that said, dare to be you, dare to be weird. Worm, what are you going to say? Homeless by choice. Go get the book. Even if you're a slow reader, color, coloring book coming out soon. <laughs> Even if you're a slow reader, it's you're a good a slow read. reader. With that said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Roy, thank you for this podcast. We'll see you on Thursday and continue your story. Man, I'm having a, uh, an amazing time. Part two is going to be awesome. Thursday. See you guys later. Bye.